And now, The Mentors, one of the most popular and unique shows on the radio today. Each week, one of our four remarkable CEOs, including Tom Lord, John Phillips, and Rick Brutico, will challenge your thinking about life and work. Sought after for their success and for consistently putting people first, treating employees and customers with respect, and helping others succeed, now these same CEOs, the mentors, want to help you achieve your highest level of profitability, success, and personal fulfillment in life, at work, and in business. Now, here's your mentor. Welcome. I'm Tom Laurie, and I'll be your host today. It is great to have you join us. Our guest mentor is August Turek. He has been a successful entrepreneur in the software business as a founder and CEO of both the Raleigh Group International and Elsinore Technologies. And he also served as a successful corporate executive, most notably with MTV. A most important transition in his life began with a personal crisis that led him to father to brother John and our lady of Mepkin Abbey in Charleston, South Carolina. He shares this transitional experience in two books, The Business Secrets of the Trappist Monks, One CEO's Quest for Meaning and Authenticity, and most recently just published Brother John, a Monk, a Pilgrim, and the Purpose of Life. He attributes much of his success today to living and working alongside these Trappist monks. He has been featured in the New York Times, Fast Company, and is a contributor to Forbes.com. We have a lot to unpack today, so let's get started. Augie, welcome to The Mentors. Thanks for having me, Tom. It's a pleasure. Let's begin with Brother John, uh, and that, of course, is the subject of your, your new book, and um how you found your way to uh, Brother John and, and how he influenced your life. Well, it, uh, you know, my, my, my book, Business Secrets, talks about happy accidents. Who would have ever thought that the happiest accident of my life was jumping out of an airplane in 1996 and, bre- and breaking my ankle to smithereens? Some college students had, uh, taught, had, uh, take, had challenged me to go skydiving with them, and, and I broke my ankle. And I ended up in the hospital and started having panic attacks and, and a deep, deep depression come over me. I couldn't understand where it was coming from because I was, you know, I wasn't critically injured. Um, and finally, I realized I was confronting my mortality, Tom, for the very first time in my life, really. And, uh, and then when I look back, I've been on a, a religious person, a spiritual person all my life. And when I wanted to fall back on my spiritual upbringing and faith, there doesn't seem to be anything there. And that exacerbated things, made things even worse. When I got out, I was very depressed. The panic went away. And several months after I uh, got out of the hospital, I got a, uh, a telephone call from another of my students who told me he was spending the summer at Metkin Abbey Monastery outside of Charleston, South Carolina. It's a Cistercian or Trappist monastery, which are the strictest monks in the Catholic Church. Um, they keep silent most of the time. And he told me he was there as a monastic guest, that he was actually uh, living and working with the monks, getting up at 3 o'clock in the morning and uh, working with them in their farm business, et cetera. And something about his voice, I don't know, or, or the, the pain that I was in at the time, Tom, I just blurted out, i got to come, I want to come. And he said, when? And I said, now. And then I realized it was Wednesday, and I was at work at my, I was an entrepreneur at the time with my companies, and I said, well, Friday, this weekend. And he said, let me go talk to Brother John. And um, he came back a couple of minutes later, and they said, come on down this weekend. And that was the first time I ever heard Brother John's name. And uh, I went down for that weekend and the following weekend and the following weekend. And then I applied for a monastic guest status myself and wanted to go down there for, and decided to go down for three weeks, took three weeks off of my work, and went down to the monastery in, um, for Christmas of 1996 um, and then on Christmas Eve of 1996, I was, uh, you know, on Christmas Eve, it's the same drill that you do every day at the monastery. You get up at 3 o'clock in the morning, you go to church eight times a day, <clears throat> you work in the fields and, uh, and, the, and the egg business they had back then. Um, but instead of going to bed at 8 o'clock, you stay up and go to Mass, and Mass gets out around 10, 10 15 or so. And then they have one that are extremely rare little parties afterwards with um, apple cider and cookies and things. 
I went to that and I was so exhausted. I was out on my feet, decided to go back to my room. And when I started for the door, the rain was beating down. It was 38 degrees outside. And I suddenly realized I had no umbrella. And I had a long walk back in the dark in the rain. And I opened the door and suddenly there was a figure out there and I squinted and it was a man standing under an umbrella. And suddenly I realized it was Brother John. And I said, Brother John, what are you doing? And he said, I'm here to walk those who forgot their umbrellas back to their rooms. And that was the beginning of that of my odyssey with Brother John and later all my writings and everything came out of that one chance encounter on a cold, rainy Christmas Eve. And Brother John was a monk, and was he a director of the Abbey, or was he uh, just part of the well, order? He's still, first of all, the good, the good Lord is he's still with us. So I just saw him a few weeks ago. At that time, he was uh, kind of informally the monk. A monastery is run by uh, the abbot, of course, is the head man. There's also always a, 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 a assistant abbot who is the prior. And then there's a business manager, and the business manager is called the cellarer. I guess that's because back in the old days, he ran the cellar where they kept the cheese and everything they were going to eat. Um, and Brother John actually worked back then. His job was to be kind of the foreman under the cellarer. The cellarer was taking care of the business, and he was now Brother John is actually the cellarer himself. So he's the business manager um, at uh, Metkin Abbey now. And what did Brother John teach you? What Brother John taught me was the meaning, the meaning and purpose of life. I mean, that's one of the things that I was really had been struggling with all my life, and and uh, and and what he taught me was that uh, the meaning and purpose of life is to live for other people and not for yourself. And how did he teach you about the meaning and purpose? By first of all holding an umbrella, being willing. You know, that was what provoked me. I started back to my room under this umbrella as the rain was pouring down, and I'm thinking to myself. Here's a man that's been a monk for 50 years. Um, he works harder than anybody. He gets up earlier than anybody to make coffee for everyone else. And he gets one party a year. And rather than be in there at the party, he'd rather stand outside just in case some bozo like me might want need an umbrella. Where does that kind of love and compassion and service come from? Why am I not like that? Why aren't we all like that? Especially because it was obvious to me that Brother John was the, was extremely at peace and happy, and, and you know his whole life was working. So this became a very confrontational um, moment for me, and um, and the rest of my story, which makes up my book, Brother John: The Month of the Pilgrim and the Purpose of Life, is really about me dealing with all that. And that book, uh, as I recall, it just it just recently came out, and I know it's beautifully illustrated. Um, would make a wonderful gift for people. And we're going to come back in a minute after the break and talk about Augie's transformation. We will continue in just a minute. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of MyPillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat. I would flip-flop all night long. I would wake up with a sore neck, maybe a headache, or feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. When I invented MyPillow, I wanted it to where you could move the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. MyPillow will get you into that deep sleep faster, and you will stay there longer. It's not about how much time we spend in bed. It's about how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all of my own manufacturing right here in the United States. I have a 10-year warranty. You can wash and dry my pillow, and I give you a 60-day money-back guarantee so you have nothing to lose. And here's my best offer ever. MyPillow is now offering 50% off their four-pack special plus free shipping. Go to MyPillow.com or call 1-800-890-6632, 1-800-890-6632, and use promo code MENTORS. That's 50% off plus free shipping. Don't delay. Order now. In classrooms across America, students are not learning the same history you did. Last year, McGraw-Hill apologized for calling slave trade immigration. And a popular world history textbook devotes a full chapter to Islam and Muhammad, but only a few sentences to Christianity and Christ. Recent federal testing shows students are far worse in knowledge of U.S. history than in math. Only 12% of high school students are proficient in U.S. history. Today's history textbooks not only fail to engage, they favor political correctness over true history. This is a serious problem that has a far-reaching impact on our culture and our future. 
What are your kids and grandkids learning? At CatholicTextbookProject.com, you'll find fresh, accurate, engaging history textbooks. Used in Catholic schools in more than 60 dioceses, these textbooks are highly praised by all, even award-winning secular university professors. Go to CatholicTextbookProject.com to find out why. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Welcome back. This is Tom Laurie, and today we are with August Turak, successful entrepreneur and the author of the best secrets, best business secrets of the Trappist monks. You uh, we were talking about the impact of Brother John on you, and he's the subject of another book of yours. Uh, this began a transformation, and I think there was another step in that transformation because you, as I recall, wrote uh, an article about Brother John. Tell us about that and what happened as a result of what you wrote. Well, I think there's two, two steps in the process. And the first step in the process, which I'll go over very, very quickly, but of course would be a subject of maybe a whole book that I may write again someday. This two-year period that was kicked off by my skydiving accident, I now look back and call my dark night of the soul. In 1998, uh, with the help of the monks, I actually had a spiritual experience um, that uh, brought everything back for me and uh, the book of Job ten times over. So although I've been had battled uh, depression over uh, all my life, since basically since being an adolescent, I can honestly say that I've never had a day's de- uh, depression since 1998. So I went on from there and uh, sold my businesses in 2000 to an Israeli company, and then the two companies were then flipped to uh, BMC Software down in Texas for 150 million in cash. I went off to study theology for a while at St. John's University up in Minnesota. And when I got back, again, some of my college students intervened, and they suggested that I enter a essay contest. And I looked it up online with the John Templeton Foundation's Power of Purpose Essay Contest. In 3,500 words or less, I had to answer the question, what is the purpose of life? So they egged me on. I'd never written anything before like this or for publication, but I decided to take a whack. I only had about a week or 10 days to write it, even though the contest had been going on for almost two years, and it was open to previously published material and professional writers. So I was a bit, uh, you know, uh, uh, overwhelmed by that. But so I started into it, and I wasn't getting anywhere. And another one of my students said, why don't you just write that story about Brother John that you love to tell us so much? So I said, wow, that's a good idea. So I wrote it in two days, edited it for two days, and managed to just get it off at the deadline. Six months later, I get a telephone call telling me that I'd gone up against 10,000 essays from 47 countries, and I won the $100,000 grand prize. So Brother John, uh, that radically transformed my life, because the next thing I know, it's reprinted in the best of Christian writings, the best of Catholic writings. Um, then I uh, wrote an, uh, an, what I thought was a white paper, which Forbes magazine turned into an article called Business Secrets of the Trappist Monks. That article went viral. That led to an invitation to become a contributor on leadership for Forbes, which in turn then, I got a telephone call from Columbia Business School Publishing. They said, we'd like to turn Business Secrets of the Trappist Monks into a book, which I then did. And then I was being interviewed by the BBC about Business Secrets of the Trappist Monks, and they, they liked the interview, so they said, would you like to be a contributor for us and come on the radio um, you know, once or twice a month? And I've been doing that for four or five years now. But all along, this essay, Brother John, was was had fallen into obscurity, of course, but I'd get, a, I'd get two or three or four or five letters every year for people who told me this essay, Brother John, had gotten through a bad divorce or through a death of a child. And then finally, about a year, probably about a year ago, August, I got a, a guy drove six hours up here to tell me that, thank me for writing Brother John because it had gotten him through a terrible divorce. And when he left, I said to myself, I said, I've got to... Uh, we got to get this candle out from under a bushel basket. If it's helping a few people, maybe it can help a lot of people. So I thought to myself, and with my help of the woman who runs, I do everything, by the way, through a nonprofit corporation. I don't take any money for my books or my consulting or anything. And I, I said to her, I said, you know, what about that idea of making it into an illustrated book? See, it's only 3,500 words long, so it's not long enough to be a book. But what if I illustrated it? And then the Lord sent me a wonderful, multiple award-winning artist, a strange story about how we met. I've never met him personally, Tom, to this day. 
And he said, I'm going to do 22 full-color oil paintings of Mepkin Abbey and the monks, and I will illustrate the book with those. And so we combined my award-winning essay with his award-winning art, and voila, we launched it in October, and frankly, it's flying off the shelves. This is Tom. Brother John, a monk, a pilgrim, and the purpose of life. This is Tom Moore. You're listening to The Mentors Radio Show. Our guest today is August Tarak, a successful entrepreneur who shares with us how he found meaning and authenticity in life. Quickly, what, what is it? What is the essence of Brother John in the book that inspires so many people? Well, I think that, first of all, the story uh, has a very, very uplifting ending to it. So it starts, I think a lot of people can identify with my despair and my um, confusion and um, my longing that begins the essay. And by the end, there's a very uplifting ending to it. So I think that's one of the things. But I think the other thing is, is that everyone, I, I say, in, uh, I go in detail in, in business secrets that we're all longing for a transformation. We're all longing for, uh, to, to, to be transformed. You know, in the, in the Christian tradition, that would be to be converted. Um, but I say there's three kinds of transformation. When a thirsty man drinks, he transforms his condition. When a poor man hits the lottery, he transforms his circumstances. But when Mr. Scrooge wakes up on Christmas morning, an utterly new man, he has experienced a transformation of being. And I think that what we're all longing for is this very transformation of being. And this is what Brother John is all about, that, 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 what, that Brother John's peace and effortless love uh, is actually our what we're really longing for, and it's available to us all. And we can be transformed. And I think that's what people are really, really relating to. Um, we, we don't really want to be selfish. Selfishness, you know, I just wrote something for Facebook. I said, if you think about it, self-consciousness um, is when we become so selfishly absorbed with ourselves that we can't speak or we can't get out of our own way. Well, boredom, depression, what makes them so painful is all you can think about is yourself. When a man who is suffering from all we says, um, the world is too much with me, what he's really saying is, I am too much with myself. So we really don't want selfishness. We want to be able to give ourselves away. We want love. We want to be able to give, to, be, to become love. And uh, so the Brother John represents, you know, as kind of a Christ figure. And it's accessible. And I guess what the Brother John essay is saying is that it's accessible to us. Uh, it's not something supernatural or super ordinary. It, it, it isn't accessible to an ordinary person. It isn't just monks. And I think that's really what people resonate with. Well, you mentioned also in your book that uh, the Marine Corps and AA and others uh, help us make these kinds of transformations. Exactly. That's I call them transformational organizations. And I said most of the time they're not even conscious of, of what of what they're really doing, but um, what we all, you know, by the way, you know, I feel, feel like the country at now is that it was going through a crisis of meaning and purpose. When we look at the opioid crisis or um, we are, our, 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 they just said the life expectancy is, is dropping in America because of depression, suicide, and the opioid crisis. And these are all crises of meaningless and purposelessness. But on the contrary, when you have purpose, you know, the people become passionate, they get on fire. Um, one um, a, uh, a CEO one time told me, I asked him what his job description was, and he said, well, if you followed me around, you'd think I'd do a lot of things. He said, but I only have one job. I produce passion. He said, uh, when, you get, when people are passionate about what they're doing, he said, my job becomes um, just getting out of the way and making sure they take enough vacation. And so what I point out is that organizations like the Marines and the AA, and AA um, and the monastery have incredibly passionate people um, involved with them. And why is that? Because each of these organizations offer people a not just a vision or a, a mission of transformation, but they also offer them a step-by-step -step plan for bringing it about. So obviously uh, uh, the Marines have their boot camp, and, and the AA has their 12-step program, and the monastery has their, what they call their novitiate or their formational process. And this is what I get at a lot all the time. I said, well, we're so hot to trot on, on left-brain education, giving people skills. But really what makes leaders, the most successful leaders, are the ones that have the great character traits. These, these are things that you don't learn. These are things you must become. 
you must be transformed. And one of my mentors was Louis R. Mobley, who founded the IBM Executive School back in the way back in 1956 and ran it till 1966. And anybody old enough to remember knows that the greatest um, executives in the world were the IBM executives of the 60s and 70s. And he used to say the same thing to me. He said the um, he said to turn a middle manager into an executive or to turn a follower into a leader is not a incremental step of learning. It's a revolution in consciousness. And, you know, again, go back, we can call it conversion or we can call it a transformation of being or we can call it a revolution in consciousness. But this is an utter transformation. Well, I, I know from my own experience that, um, and I think you call in your book, Life is a Dynamic Bottle Longing to Selflessly Surrender to Serving Something Bigger Than Ourselves. And it's been my experience in running companies that uh, employees are desperate to be doing something that's meaningful and purposeful in the job of a CEO or president or even a, a group, a management group, is to tr- create some kind of a uh, goal that people understand is transcendent and they will they will uh, transform again you need the 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 uh, the path and the rules and whatever we're going to go to break and when we come back i want to shift our attention now and talk about these secrets that you learned from the trappist about uh, running a business americans have been traveling down the health insurance highway for decades but lately it's been taking us to places we don't want to go For Christians, it's hard to know which road to take. Or is it? Samaritan Ministries provides a different direction, a biblical path for their members to pray for each other and share financially in each other's medical needs. This idea that Samaritan has adopted from the book of Acts should permeate all parts of our lives, not just health sharing. We, as a body of believers, are living out New Testament Christianity. This is what God intended for the church. Looking for a new direction for your health care? Join the hundreds of thousands of Samaritan Ministries members who are faithfully sharing millions of dollars in medical needs each month. For more information, visit us online at SamaritanMinistries.org. That's SamaritanMinistries.org. Are you struggling with how to practice your faith at work? Get answers to your questions and much more on the Catholic Business Journal. Focusing on careers and business with a Catholic perspective. That's CatholicBusinessJournal.biz. The Catholic Business Journal, generating a return on principle. CatholicBusinessJournal.biz. CatholicBusinessJournal.biz. Do you want to make a living and live a meaningful life? Is it possible to be financially successful while making a positive difference in the world? Chris Lowney, author of the best-selling business classic, Heroic Leadership, and popular speaker on topics of leadership, corporate ethics, and decision-making, shares with you his 10 simple daily habits to building a better life and world, and how to implement them in his new book, Make Today Matter. Some of these habits include don't win the race, give away your sneakers, be more grateful, and control the controllables. Make Today Matter is a 2018 Distinguished Favorite Book in the Independent Press Awards and makes the perfect gift for anyone in a time of transition, graduating high school or college, beginning a new job, or entering retirement. No matter where you are in life, it is never too late to make today matter. Available everywhere books are sold. Underwriting in part by Catherine Andes, owner of BetterWebSales.com. We help small and medium businesses improve their web sales and web traffic results. That's BetterWebSales.com. BetterWebSales.com. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Welcome back. We're delighted with the response that our show has received, and we have a special shout-out today to Zachary and his good friends and fellow classmates at UC Berkeley. If you missed any of this show or any previous episode, you can download our podcast by going to our website, thementorsradio.com. That is thementorsradio.com. Remember to subscribe while you're there so you do not miss any future shows. All of the content is available for free. Today we're talking with August Turek 
who is the author of Secrets, Business Secrets of the Trappist Monks, One CEO's Quest for Meaning and Authenticity. We've talked uh, so far about his path uh, and his transformation. And now we're going to spend a little time talking about those secrets that he learned uh, from the Trappist monks in his time that he, has, he did spend and continues to spend with the Trappists in South Carolina. So we talk about, I think one thing, we'll get into the absolute, uh, the secrets, but we talk about the hero's journey and what that's all about. Well, this guy comes right to the to the fundamental um, that the the secret to the, the most the number one secret of the of the Trappist that that they taught me is that it, it's in your own self interest to forget your self interest, and the more successfully you forget your selfish motivations, the more successful you will become. So when we were talking before about becoming, about the idea that you must you know you must become. Um, what I talked about in my book was the idea that there's a thing called dollar votes. We used to say this in marketing, that don't listen to what people tell you in a survey. Listen to what they spend their money on if you really want to know what people care about. And as I mentioned, I said what people spend billions of dollars on is every year they go to the movies to watch movies and read stories. And Joseph Campbell uh, discovered with a lot of research that all the fables and the myths and the stories and the movies are almost all about this thing called the hero's journey. And the hero's journey uh, has a bunch of stages to it, but I boiled them down for the sake of my argument by saying the first stage of the hero's journey of transformation, this is the, this is the, this is the model of transformation. The first stage is a call. Uh, what we would call in a Christian sense would be vocation. It's when uh, Moses is called by the burning bush, and he's given, a, he's given a mission. He's given an assignment, or he's called to a mission. Um, and... Uh, Hopefully what I'm doing here on the radio maybe is being a call to people to, to call them to transformation. Um, in, the, in the movies, it's usually a car pulling up in front of a house, and, and Clint Eastwood comes out of the house, and the major jumps out of the car. He's a spiffy young kid, and he says, we need you to come back to the Air Force because only you can fly this new plane. And, uh, and that's his call. And, uh, this, but then the second stage of the hero's journey is, is the resistance to the call. So this is when Moses says to the burning bush, well, you know, I think you might be, I don't talk very good. I'm not, I don't think I'm the guy for the job. I think my brother Aaron would be a better guy to send to see Pharaoh. And of course, in the, in the movie, what is uh, Clint Eastwood say? Get the heck out of here. I wouldn't come back to you. know. And so then, of course, the hero always rethinks his rejection. He accepts his mission. Moses accepts his mission. Eventually, Clint Eastwood comes back to the Air Force or whatever. And then the third stage is the desert. The desert is when we're, this is what we talked about before. This is the character development stage. This is the formation stage. This is when Morpheus in the, in the Matrix beats the snot out of, of Neo or when, um, uh, you know, Goryota stands over top of, don't try, do. And so the hero has to go through this arduous training program. And, um, and in Monk's situation, that is what they call formation. And they go through a formational process. And again, I'm coming back again. This is about character. This isn't necessarily about skills. This is about developing the, the kinds of character traits that you need to, serve, to, to, to make this journey. The next stage is always, in the, in the movies and in the stories, it's always the great trial. And the great trial is when the hero is tempted. Jesus is tempted um, in the desert, right? He, when he finishes his temptation, and the, the devil, and what does he offer him? Power. And it's always the same thing. It's Darth Vader, or it's Al Pacino and the Godfather, or whatever. Once they get the power that the desert gives them, now are they going to use it for selfish purposes, and they're going to use it for selfless purposes. The next stage is always the death and rebirth. This is when, in the Matrix, for example, Neo uh, finds out that with all the power that he's gotten in the desert with working with Morpheus, he can't beat the devil, or in this case, Mr. Smith, all by himself. And so he actually dies, and what happens is he is uh, brought back to life by a woman's love, and she's uh, outside the Matrix, and her name is, by, just by accident, I guess, Trinity. No, it's not an accident. Her name is Trinity. And the phone line that connects her from the spaceship where she's out in reality back to the Matrix, is a, I, I consider that grace, and she represents Sophia, um, you know, the, the whole idea of the biblical idea of wisdom and love. And so um, he comes back to life. Now he can finally win the, the great battle that he needs to win. 
And, of course, the battle is always the battle with the self. It's always the battle with our selfishness, with our sinful nature, suppose. And then the final is always the, the hero returns to help others. And the hero now, now becomes a teacher or a, or a benefactor in some way or a coach to help other people make this hero's journey. But if you take this hero's journey and you want to even boil it down even further, you can say that the entire hero's journey is a, a journey from selfishness to selflessness. It's a transformational journey where we start out selfish and we come out the other side selfless. And that is the, that's the hero's journey. This is Tom Laurie. You're listening to The Mentors Radio. Our guest today is August Turek, who is the author of The Business Secrets of the Trappist Monks and Brother John. So... That's great, and I've I probably could map out some people I know that have gone through a journey like this. Uh, the question is how? Do, okay, how do you bring that back into your own life? Well, I mean, I there's a journey. Person, do we go seek the journey, or does the journey find us? I mean, you got the call. Uh, a lot of people turn down the call. What? How do we apply this uh, in, in terms of real life uh, to ourselves? Well, I think the very first thing you do is you become familiar with it intellectually. So that's an important step. So then now that you, you can intellectually, now you say, wow, yeah, I see this. I see it all. And so and, and the next thing you have a realization, which I have, which is, wait a second, if I'm lining up to watch all these movies, if I'm willing to spend my hard-earned money, then I bet you I'm, you know, I'm, not, I'm fascinated with it because I want to take this journey. So then the third step that you, and of course, if you're a leader, you understand that this is what your people want, and you offer them opportunities to make this journey. You build a model of management or leadership where people can take this uh, this, this this journey, um, and that and then if you if it's an individual, then you say, listen, what am I going to need to make? What are the things I'm going to need to make this journey? And uh, you're going to need teachers. You're going to need other people. You're going to need um, uh, you know opportunities. I mean, and but then again, there are opportunities. What the tools are all around you. I mean, I say this many many times. The reason why we started our company, we started it on twenty five hundred dollars. We didn't add any more money to it. We didn't borrow any money for it. And the whole reason we did it is, was, a, was to make it into a vehicle for taking the hero's journey. We didn't call it the hero's journey at the time, but it was a spiritual, um, you know, odyssey we were going on. And we we're going to use the challenges that the business was going to bring to us to find out who we were, to, to, to test our mettle. So these things are all around you every day. You can, you can, you can use all kinds, you know, when, and when you go have to make a hundred, cold calls, which I know what it's like to make 100 or 200 cold calls a day. That's the desert, man. That's the desert. Well, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about the hero's journey and some more uh, detail on the secrets of the Trappist monks that have brought you to a life of authenticity and purpose. If you have any questions or feedback, call anytime at 844-810-TALK. 844-810-8255. Do you have a message for our listeners? Imagine right now, instead of hearing these words, you could be hearing your message on the Mentors Radio Show. We offer a multimedia package and special benefits available only for our radio partners. We love to customize a package that best suits your needs and goals. See for yourself. Give us a call at 844-610-8255. That's 844-610-TALK. 844-610-8255. Or drop us a note at TheMentorsRadio.com to learn more. Americans have been traveling down the health insurance highway for decades. But lately, it's been taking us to places we don't want to go. For Christians, it's hard to know which road to take. Or is it? Samaritan Ministries provides a different direction, a biblical path for their members to pray for each other and share financially in each other's medical needs. This idea that Samaritan has adopted from the book of Acts should permeate all parts of our lives, not just health sharing. We, as a body of believers, are living out New Testament Christianity. This is what God intended for the church. Looking for a new direction for your health care? Join the hundreds of thousands of Samaritan Ministries members who are faithfully sharing millions of dollars in medical needs each month. For more information, visit us online at SamaritanMinistries.org. That's SamaritanMinistries.org. 
you have a message for our listeners? Imagine right now, instead of hearing these words, you could be hearing your message on the Mentors Radio Show. We offer a multimedia package and special benefits available only for our radio partners. We love to customize a package that best suits your needs and goals. See for yourself. Give us a call at 844-610-8255. That's 844-610-TALK. 844-610-8255. Or drop us a note at TheMentorsRadio.com to learn more. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Welcome back. This is Tom Laurie, and we are talking to August Turek, who is a successful entrepreneur, and he's the author of the just-released Brother John and the secrets of the tra- Business Secrets of the Trappist Monks. We're talking about one CEO's quest for meaning and authenticity. So now, as you go further on this journey, and we're now back into the weeds, if you will, of running a business, um, I, you have an interesting uh, concept, or I, I shouldn't say it's not a concept, it's a value, but it's an important one. It's called piety. What, what is piety all about? about? Well, and, know, I, and how piety, did you see it? How did you see it in the, uh, in the Abbey? Well, the way I saw it in the Abbey, when I actually did a little, when I was writing about it, I did a little research on the word, and I found out that the word goes back to Latin, and the Latin, it's a Latin word for duty. And it seems so, you know, because I've read that uh, an article about some Trappist uh, monks uh, who had a tremendous business in Europe, and they were quoted as saying they, it was piety, not profits, that these monks. And... I thought, well, yeah, that's exactly right, because what's uppermost in their mind, which, by the way, goes to a concept that that one of the secrets of the Trappist monk, which I keep saying is, aim past the target. You know, in golf, they always say, aim for the back of the cup. In, you know, in in basketball, aim for the back of the rim. You know, in archery, aim past the target. So aim for something bigger and make the things like profit or money or all the kinds of things we think we want, those should be the trailing indicators. Those are the, those are the byproducts of aiming for something bigger than all that. And so, so the monks are all about duty, duty to each other, duty to God, duty to their customers. Duty is not a good word. You know, we don't like duty anymore. It sounds too constraining in our society anymore. Um, it's almost as bad as honor. We don't like these words too much anymore. But duty is extremely important. And if you just do your duty, and if you, know, you do everything, and I, I actually equated it also with what I called a prayerful attitude. Amongst do everything with a prayerful attitude. And what's the byproduct of this duty and prayerful attitude? It's an incredible, inc- incredible brand. Um, they have incredible pricing power. They can charge almost anything. I mean, for for the for the for the, a lot of times it's mundane things. It's eggs and it's cheese and it's uh, uh, fruit cakes and it's beer and the things that they create on their farms. And people line up for miles to get them. Well, they're, they're known they know as they're they're known for being very high quality. I remember, as I know, from things I bought. Qu- Why are they high? Exactly because they're high quality because they're done prayerfully. I even get into the Catholic concept, you know, of offering it up. When I was a little kid going to Catholic school, the nuns used to say when we complained, offer it up. Well, everything that the monks are doing is an offering. It's an offering, and it shows up in quality. Quality then spills over to to brand. Brand spills over to pricing power and demand for their products, and that spills over to profit. So profits are about six layers down. Six layers down is where the profits and the money starts coming in. And, and for most of the monks, they're not even thinking about that. It just kind of happens. It's kind of an, And I had a quote that some people have liked and put on Twitter. I said, I've seen it in my own life. The less, the more, the less I worry about money, the more money I seem to make. And um, because it, you get to the point where everything is a byproduct. You know, this whole idea of selflessness is not so strange for business. You know, first of all, what is leadership? Most people get into leadership because they want to become successful themselves. I want to get promoted. If I want to get promoted, I got to become a leader. Well, that's not the right way to think about it. The purpose of leadership is to make other people successful. The purpose of leadership is to get other people promoted. But the irony is, the paradox is, the more people you get promoted, the faster you'll get promoted. And the same thing with sales. Sales is, um, you know, 
all the great salespeople, and I feel qualified to comment on this, Tom. I was happy to be on the cover of Selling Magazine at one point in my career. All great salesmen know that the more they forget about profits, forget about quotas, forget about their own products, forget about their own commissions, and fanatically focus on selflessly serving their customer, commissions take care of themselves. And when corporations selflessly, uh, fanatically focus on serving customers' needs and wants, profits take care of themselves. This is aiming past the target. And uh, this is a, and the monks aim past the target in everything they do because their overall mission is to serve God and serve each other and serve their, and serve the humanity. Um, and it sounds like one of those uh, um, empty mission statements that corporations come up with, except the difference is they live it every single minute of every single day, and we ought to do the same. This is Tom Laurie. You're listening to The Mentors Radio, and today we have August Turek, who's sharing secrets he learned from, about business and life from the Trappist monks. You noted that... Um, the problem with life is that it must be lived forward and only understood backward. Could you talk about what you mean about that? Well, what, one of the concepts, one of the things that I say about the, about the monks, what, I'm going to throw something in here, though, Tom. One of the things I like the best about my, my, my book is that the business secrets of the Trappist monks is I think a lot of people who write books like this or say the kind of things that you hear me saying get dismissed because people say, what? Um, he's never made a payroll. He doesn't know what, you know, he's some jerk college professor or, or somebody that, some priest who's writing something like, no, every single chapter in business secrets starts with a story about the monks, goes into the lesson of how they use it in their business, and then shows how I use it in my business to build a company from $2,500 and to $150 million, um, in, in less than 10 years. So, uh, all of these, um, things, uh, but when I, but another concept I talk about is that one of the deepest secrets the monks have, learned, have to share is they know how to not just make success happen, they know how to let success happen. And when you let success happen, you're allowing happy accidents to happen. And when you look at the story that I, get, I let off the show with of my life, I go from this, you know, a successful, from this entrepreneur to, to a crazy skydiving accident to meeting monks to, to selling my business for big dollars, to winning a Templeton Prize essay contest, to becoming a Forbes contributor, to writing a book, on and on and on, all of this accident. And then I look at my life, and, you know, one way of looking at it is people even said, boy, you're a lucky stiff. But I said, when I look back on my life, I said, you know, I've always been a good planner. I can plan very well. I'm a sales guy, sales executive. I know how to bring in a hundred a um, billion dollars in sales and come out within two one percent one way or the other without having a plan. But on the other hand, I never had a plan for my life. What I had was a mission for my life. I wanted to be the best person I could possibly be. I wanted to be a spiritual person. Um, so, But when I look back now, I can see that there was a plan for my life. It just wasn't my plan. It was a plan that was too big for me to see. Um, but because I was able to um, find or was helped to find the faith or was called, you know, I think I had a vocation and I followed my vocation. And as a result, all these happy accidents happened for me. And again, my point is they can happen for you too if you accept your vocation and have the faith to follow it. Can you, uh, in 45 seconds, talk a little bit about detachment? Yes, I can. I said most people think of detachment as being uh, something where, uh, uh, where, where you know you're you're indifferent, where you're some kind of uh, yogi sitting on top of a mountaintop. But for the monks, really, what detachment is to me a great example of detachment is a a basketball player who 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 plays really intensely, but always remembers that he's got rules and he's got to stay within the rules. And the monks are able to keep everything in perspective since they are not identified with their businesses. They can change a business if it's no longer. Um, the problem is with whether it's with stocks or with um, businesses, we fall in love with the stocks, and so we don't, we, we can't see the truth. But you need to be have a detachment to be able to do that. That doesn't mean you're indifferent. We need to go to our final break. When we return, we will continue our discussion with successful entrepreneur and author August Turok about the life lessons he learned from the Trappist monks. Like us on Facebook at thementorsradio.com. Hey, there's something new for you at the mentorsradio.com website, a new special offers page. 
There you'll find unique offers available only to our listeners, you. For example, have you ever wondered if a career coach could help you get to the next level? Find out. For a limited time, a superb career coach is offering you a free session. The offers change all the time, so bookmark TheMentorsRadio.com. That's TheMentorsRadio.com. TheMentorsRadio.com. There's a new book out that will open your eyes in ways you never expected. It's called Bully of Asia by Stephen W. Mosier, a critically acclaimed author and internationally recognized authority on China. In Bully of Asia, you'll find insightful and timely commentary on the economic and geopolitical rise of the People's Republic of China. You'll learn what China's aspirations for resurgence and hegemony mean for America and the free world. Bully of Asia is a must-read for anyone concerned about China's growing power and influence, and the threat of an increasingly aggressive and militaristic China poses to Western democratic values. To get your copy of Bully of Asia, go to bullyofasia.com. That's bullyofasia.com. Find out why China's dream is the new threat to world order. Bullyofasia.com. Underwriting in part by Catherine Andes, owner of BetterWebSales.com. We help small and medium businesses improve their web sales and web traffic results. That's BetterWebSales.com. BetterWebSales.com. Do you want to make a living and live a meaningful life? Is it possible to be financially successful while making a positive difference in the world? Chris Lowney, author of the best-selling business classic, Heroic Leadership, and popular speaker on topics of leadership, corporate ethics, and decision-making, shares with you his 10 simple daily habits to building a better life and world, and how to implement them in his new book, Make Today Matter. Some of these habits include don't win the race, give away your sneakers, be more grateful, and control the controllables. Make Today Matter is a 2018 Distinguished Favorite Book in the Independent Press Awards and makes the perfect gift for anyone in a time of transition, graduating high school or college, beginning a new job, or entering retirement. No matter where you are in life, it is never too late to make today matter. Available everywhere books are sold. And now... Back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. This is Tom Laurie, and we're talking to August Turek, who had successfully created two companies, then had a serious personal crisis that led him to a Trappist monastery where he learned the life secrets of the Trappist. If you missed any part of the show, you can go to TheMentorsRadio.com. You can hear this show and all previous shows. You'd mentioned uh, earlier in the broadcast uh, your students. Do you, are you a teacher also? I missed that. Well, what happened was back in the late 80s, um, I was invited to give a series of talks at North Carolina State University. I'm, I'm, I live on a farm outside of uh, um, Raleigh. But back in the late 80s, I gave a series of talks about my spiritual path and my spiritual uh, seeking and all this stuff. And uh, the kids loved it. And a number of them came up and said, hey, we'd like you to mentor us. And I said, well, I'll do it on a volunteer basis. I said, if you just form a club, I will come over on a weekly basis and I will coach you. And they did. And it spread from North Carolina State University to the University of North Carolina and from University of North Carolina to Duke University, which are all local universities. And uh, then eventually it started meeting at my house uh, where I'd have 30 or 40 people at my house on Fridays. Um, so I did that from the late 80s until the, uh, 2004, 2005, when it just became uh, too much, and I, I, I cut back, so I haven't been doing that for the last 10 years or so. Now, you talk about your personal crisis, and I work with people who have lost their jobs through a program I run through our parish up here in, uh, in Northern California. And so transitions are extremely important in how they're managed, and obviously you had a good outcome from your transition. Uh, I just read recently here that the founder of Red Robin uh, passed away and he went through a transition after he had been uh, after his company had been acquired and he was lost on on what to do and found that he uh, learned that he committed suicide so I think yes. what we're talking about today has a lot to do with uh, meaning and purpose as you've talked about 
And I think it's an important lesson for people to understand what they are attached to and what they're being ho- held exactly. hostage by. Uh, exactly. I, t- I told a story in my, in my book where when, I, when the company was taken over by the Israeli company, I had created from scratch this, book, this product called Visual Intercept. And um, one day the, the CEO from Israel was in town and he called me into his office and he said, I've got to ask you a question. He said, I've been in business for 30 years. He said, um, I said, sure, what is it? He said, uh, he said if you wanted, you could probably say all I've been doing for the last year or so is trying to kill off your baby, this product, Visual Intercept. He said, but you haven't said a word about it. He said, you've even, you've even been helping me whenever I've asked you to. He said, I've, been, I've never seen this before. Why aren't you fighting me tooth and nail to protect your baby? And I said, Yochi, his name is Yochi. I said, because I don't see, I don't see the Visual Intercept on my tombstone. It's just a product. And as a matter of fact, I've read your business plan, and I can see why it doesn't fit. And I also believe that if I was worried about my own product, then that would be selfish. When, the, when I'm, my job is to think about everybody in this company. And this led to us having a tremendous uh, relationship. But again, this goes back to the lack of detachment, which is identification. And so many people in this country, especially men, identify that I'm a corporate. Who am I? I'm a corporate executive. You take that business card away from him, and he feels like he's nothing. Aim past the target. You need something bigger in your life than business. You even need something bigger than your life than family. Um, and that's the spiritual part of life that we don't pay enough attention to. How much do you read? You know, I used to be an absolute compulsive reader, and I read all the time. You know, I've read hundreds and thousands of books. I think over the last few years, I've really cut back a lot. I read the Wall Street Journal cover to cover every day. I read a lot of of magazine articles and, and things like that. But as far as books, I've cut back to relatively uh, pretty severely on the number of books that I consume these days. Well, you're, right, you're writing for all of us so we can read. So remember that. So we're going to, time has flown by and we're at the end of the show. I want to thank you, Augie, for joining me today. You've given us much to think about. We'll post a link on our website for both Brother John and the Business Secrets of the Trappist Monks. Remember, if you tuned in late, you can listen to this and past shows by downloading podcasts by going to our website, thementorsradio.com. When you're there, make it easy for yourself and subscribe to future shows. Thank you for listening. We will be back next weekend at this time for the next edition of The Mentors. Until then, this is Tom Laurie signing off. Remember to be all that you can be and keep the candle lit for all who struggle in the darkness. It's been The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. To get more information about the program or a sponsor, to download a podcast of today's show, or to leave a question for our host, go to TheMentorsRadio.com. That's www.TheMentorsRadio.com. The preceding program, copyright CBJ, LLC. All rights reserved.